Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 155 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. And I've gone back to doing the intros. It just didn't feel right not having them in. So I am including them. If somebody's bio is very much an outline of the story that they're going to tell on in the podcast, I might edit it down or leave some of it out. But it just felt really weird not having an intro at all to me. So today I'm interviewing Elizabeth Bright and I reached out to Elizabeth because I've listened to her recently and read her book and I thought she was somebody that I really wanted to interview on the podcast plus the fact that we keep getting questions about menopause. So I hope you take something away from this interview. Let me tell you a little bit about Elizabeth. Elizabeth Bright, D-O-N-D, a graduate of Columbia University, is a highly respected American osteopath and naturopath living in Italy. She is former chef owner of Copies Organic and the Vigorelli restaurants in Washington, D.C. She's a master in Chow Ka Kung Fu. She has been eating a high fat carnivore diet and has been using it as a treatment modality since 2016. She is 60 years old and an avid stand-up paddleboarder. She is the author of Good Fat is Good for Women, Menopause. Elizabeth's book should be read by everyone, even men, if they have women in their lives, especially anyone who has young girls, little girls that are growing up into adolescence or adolescence. So the show notes for this episode can be found at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash 155. Welcome, Elizabeth, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Thank you. It's fabulous to be here. And we always start with where in the world are you? I'm in Italy. I'm actually in the south of Italy in Puglia, but I'm American and I'm an osteopath and naturopath, and I specialize in endocrine function, specifically thyroid and adrenal. And I'm a carnivore since nine, since I was 52. I'm 60 now, so eight years. So tell us a little bit about how you came to carnivore. Well, first I was keto, and then I hit menopause, and I had a couple of symptoms maybe of associated with menopause. So I did a deep dive into the research on menopause. And when I saw all the horrible things that were said about menopause, I thought this can't be true. Our body didn't evolve 
to have these horrible symptoms due to no longer menstruating. So I write a, wrote a book about it uh, after my research and um, called Good Fat is Good for Women, Menopause. I'm doing another shorter version for young, for adolescents now, because basically our future health starts in ad- during adolescence. So yep. we're setting ourselves up for the rest of our lives. So if we mess up during adolescence, we'll have to address it. And that menopausal symptoms are basically not due to menopause. Menopause is a good thing. It's due to years and years of endocrine uh, abuse due to misinformation. And I went carnivore at that, that time because I realized that menopausal symptoms are due to low adrenal function or irregular adrenal function. And adrenals need animal fat and cholesterol to function properly. Yeah. So I would high fat carnivore. So I'm really excited because this, I've got this whole list of things to go through with you and mm-hmm. we might not get time to do it all today. So I might have to get you back if you spare us the time. So what I wanted to start with is why did we get to this abuse of medicine or the way that women are? I'm I'm going to loosely put it in inverted commas because it feels like abuse to me. It uh, is abuse. How did, how did we get to this medicalized version where women are abused because of well because of the medical male gaze so actually i explained in my book midwives were called witches weren't they witches Mm -hmm. healers um males starting with i can't remember his name but he was a dentist actually a surgeon who uh invented the forceps and made it Basically, he made he in, also invented or started the practice of um, gynecology. The fact that only certain uh, surgeons were able to deliver babies, and midwives were no longer allowed to deliver babies, and they did it much better, obviously, than people yanking babies out with forceps. So, um, historically, women have been viewed as a failed version of the male body. Um, this all goes back to, I think, the invention of agriculture. Um, Women were having two to three children when we were hunter-gatherers. We menstruated at 18. So uh, our body evolved eating a high-fat diet, high-fat carnivore diet. So there was plenty of fat. So we didn't have PMS, PCOS, endometriosis, et cetera, et cetera. So over time, our society, women were having babies, too many, and males were heavy lifting and, well, 12 babies is heavy lifting too, and getting all the meat. Women didn't get meat historically. That's Mm -hmm. why in Italy, the farmers get the pasta and the rich people get the meat. So it's sort of over eons Women were relegated to, I mean, even Aristotle talks about how women are basically malformed. Yeah. Hippocrates, I'm sorry, I meant to say Hippocrates. Yeah. As the medical profession has evolved, we've been used as like guinea pigs, really, haven't we? Well, yes. Well, the problem, what I should have said is the problem is that we have the medical profession and males in general have you have the woman's body is basically a reproductive machine so since that 
is what they think it's necessary for when you are no longer reproducing there's something there must be something wrong with you mm. so hence the association with decay degeneration um absolutely not women evolved to have menopause so we would not decay at 50 chimps keep having babies until they die we evolved beyond that to stop having babies so we could have long fruitful lives not fruitful f- long successful lives because we could help the daughters and the grandchildren survive um survive so I talk about in my book how basically it's just uh, um, orcas, um, whales, whales, yeah, and uh, two, three species of whales, four species of whales, and human women who go into menopause. And there's wonderful stories of the grandmother whales showing the pod where to go for the hunting grounds and actually protecting the younger males from getting attacked by other creatures yeah so So, yeah we have a lot of wisdom that we can pass on yes much wisdom and 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 science and knowledge and absolutely that's why we have menopause it's a good thing yeah and and you said in your book that it it helps us live longer you know it does because monkeys we would just die die sooner because having babies is nutritionally expensive so basically there are period in our lives where we are fertile and then that period has to end or we would die because having babies is so nutritionally expensive the problem with having many children which obviously during when agriculture humans invented agriculture you needed more backs tilling the soil and those were the children that people had to have so you could have the grain because only the rich people got the grain, right? So mm. I mean, got the meat. The meat. So the poor yeah. people got the grain. So you had more people in the fields. Women had to have more babies. And women, that's why they died younger. Then that's why they actually expired because either they died during childbirth or think of all the nutrition that's used up having eight to 12 children. Yeah. The last six are going to be hypothyroid. Mm. So... I often get asked to to get a guest on that knows about menopause and your take on menopause is that it's natural and normal. Yes. And so could you explain a little bit about why people are, why it's been medicalized and why people are getting the symptoms that they get and associating that as a problem with menopause? Okay. So if menopause is basically uh, okay, so we menstruate. During our entire lives, we get 15% of our um, sex steroids from the ovaries. Okay? Yeah. This isn't important. The rest of it is coming from the adrenal glands. The steroid hormone cascade in the adrenal glands. They make all of the sex steroids and all of the immune system and stress response. So basically, when a woman, a child, an adolescent becomes fertile, the ovaries kick in, cortisol levels go up, and it's ready in the ovaries, the progesterone and the estrogen is ready in order to uh, build a placenta when an egg is fertilized. That's all it's there for. 
all those receptors that are looking for progesterone and estrogen and testosterone are still getting and always getting those sex steroids from the adrenal glands. So basically ovarian production is only for having babies, making babies. Yeah. So when we stop making babies, we just get it from the adrenal function. The reason why it's associated, the negative symptoms are associated are because men, as I said before, assume that if you can't reproduce, there's something wrong with you. So let's find a medicine and sell it because there's something wrong with them. Yeah. And there was nothing wrong with them. Women were overworked and industrial. I have, uh, I can't, there, I, I quote a lot of an Italian um, anthropolog anthropological writer who actually studied and works in the UK, who uh, studied why women got cancer during the industrial, in you know, industrial England. Um, they, they didn't get meat. They didn't have, they were malnourished. They worked a lot. So that's why they got cancer not because they were women. So it was associated with women at this time. Illness was associated with the female reproductive. Where do they get cancer? Uterine cancer, cervical cancer with the reproductive organs. So they would cut those organs out. Doctors, surgeons love cutting organs out. Mm -hmm. That's their job, isn't it? Right. So also um, mental health was associated with reproductive. So a woman would be sent to the loony bin, not because maybe she was menopausal, but because maybe her hormones were messed up. It was just always associated with that. And male hormones are, you know, we only differ 5% from the male body genetically. Mm. So we're really just in eight weeks when the gestation period, when a fetus is eight weeks old, that's basically when the body decides over several weeks if it's going to be male or female. So there isn't really any difference between us other than that, those reproductive organs. So unfortunately, they were ignorant of that. And they didn't know until the 80s that all of our steroid hormones were made in the adrenal glands and that the, the um, gonadal in the testicles and in the ovaries were only important for only necessary for making babies. And yet we get told that, um, Oh, now your ovaries are not making the hormones that you need and therefore you need to replace them. But you're saying we don't need to replace them. No, we do not need to replace them. And unfortunately Dodds, who was a UK biochemist who came up with diethylstilbutrol, which was a horrible drug said that he wanted to help the women who were without ovaries because there are, in very rare cases, forever chemicals, pre-xenoestrogens at this time, right, in the 40s. Uh, very unhealthy people might be born, or maybe not pre-xenoestrogens, I don't know. Petrol, is, I guess, could be considered a xenoestrogen. Um, he, he basically invented this, he says, and made it free for everybody to get on you know, to get it scientifically to make it uh, to help women who were born without ovaries, but it didn't help. The idea was that they would never reproduce, but that they were deficient in some way, not knowing that adrenals were making the steroid hormones all the time. So there was a war. Uh, the UK, the Americans and the Germans were in competition to get who could make and sell the first synthetic estrogens and progesterone and testosterone. 
It was invented, it was derived from the urine of cows in Canada by Irst in the 19 late late twenties. And they always thought that they had to find something that could he, you know, help decaying women, which wasn't true. They didn't know until the 80s that it wasn't necessary. But every single biochemist who worked on those on that research said that they these substances cause cancer. Every single one. Hmm. So women today, what should they be doing to improve their health, um, to reduce symptoms? How can they take control? Because so many people are still taking hormone replacement therapy drugs. Yes. And, you know, even as you say from birth control all the way almost all the way through and um we're getting lots of different symptoms that we probably don't need to be feeling even from a young age well what happened in the 50s the americans came up with the cholesterol hypothesis mm-hmm. so the british doctor john yutkin wrote pure white and deadly proving that atherosclerosis was caused by sugar instead ansel keys came up with his completely false and faked seven country study, which the Americans immediately invented the statin and boom, off to the races, just like they did with women and needing hormone replacement therapy. They did the same thing with cholesterol. Everybody stopped eating fat. I remember my family's from the South. They were using, you know, pig fat to make biscuits and all of a sudden they're using Crisco. So my grandmother, grandfather, grand aunt and mother all had Alzheimer's and aunt. So that's, you know, that's, that's what happened. All symptoms deteriorated the pie chart. There didn't used to be a, yeah, the pie chart, the chart for what you're supposed to eat during the world war II was a bunch of fat, a bunch of meat and a little bit of, you know, basically it was all equal, a balanced diet, which is what Italians like to say, right now it's a zero fat, small amount, of zero meat and a ton of fruit and vegetables. So that's what has made everything worse. Women need fat to make hormones. The adrenals use cholesterol. If you look at the steroid cascade, at the top of the steroid cascade is cholesterol, not avocado oil, not coconut oil. These are not saturated animal fats. It has to be animal fat. So that's what our body is looking for. If we did it and we all as teenagers, I did at 15, I stopped eating fat. I, I ate 500 calories for like three weeks and then fainted in the shower. So we stop eating it because we're following this, you know, image that we're supposed to look at and the whole lies about fat. Fat doesn't make you fat. Uh, Macronis, another, I see, I love the UK. Macronis wrote Eat Fat to Get Slim in the 50s. So pre-Atkins, fat makes you slim, fat gives you hormones. That's the problem. Women stopped eating fat. They're petrified of fat. So symptoms, I I basically address every menopausal symptom. The uh, famous, uh, what's her name? Suzanne Simmons or Suzanne Summers book, uh, The Seven Dwarves, Ugly Dwarves of Menopausal Symptoms, right? Your Your boobs flop, you get bitchy, you get fat, your bones turn into pop powder, uh, you know, it's all it's all an adrenal symptom. Lose your memory. Yeah. Steak and butter girl started with the I talk about why boob why boobs breasts become firm again when you eat fat because 
elast, you know, the elastin and the tissue becomes the connective tissue works better. And then they're calling them butter boobs. Yeah. So, so women now, so women need to focus on getting enough diet. Protein. Yeah. Diet, Not protein, protein, fat. Women need more fat than men because we need more hormones than men because women have more sexual characteristics than men. Women in adolescence get boobs, hips, more is going on in a woman's body during adolescence, sexual characteristic formation than in a man's. And we need those hormones. We need that fat, which is made out of that, what the hormones are made out of to support that, that adolescent development. So you don't have problems in adolescence. I mean, in menopause. Yeah. So everybody's scared of, not everybody, because most people listening to this are not going to be scared of fat, but some mm. people are still going to be restricting fat because, you know, we're told don't eat too much fat. So what's what's a good amount of fat? 80-20, if you're healing, if you're trying to reduce inflammation, if you are having anxiety attacks, if you're having depression, if you're having 80-20, and then maybe reduce to 75-25. So that's fat to protein. So I just proved that on a high fat diet, I could build, I gained three kilo in muscle on 75-25, whereas the male carnivore doctors are saying, oh, you need a ton of protein if you're going to be trying to build muscle. Not true. I did it in three months, three kilo of muscle eating exactly the same way that I'm eating, which I would think it was like 76, 24 or something like that. Um, but to heal, I usually recommend 80, 20 and how that looks, which is why I have this stick of butter attached to my image is I came up with a person who's about 5.6, 5.7, or I don't know, 172 CM, um, would need a pound of meat and four ounces of butter or eight tablespoons of butter or a hundred grams a butter to make 80 20. Yeah. So that's basically what it looks like. So if you're six foot tall, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> you need more protein. I mean, you got it, you know, but that is why this stick of butter thing stuck to me. Like, uh, you know, I'm not saying eat butter only, I'm saying eat animal fat. It's just an easy way to visualize a stick of butter. Yeah. So if, if you're eating fatty meat and and then you need the extra fat. Yes. Is it okay to get it all from butter? It is. It is. I am. So I love UK and my daughter's in Scotland. So we had the best. She had a baby in January. God, the steak and the lamb and oh, it's so much fattier than what it is in Italy. So we actually order our meat from Ireland. Can't get it from the UK anymore because of Brexit. But so we were getting it from Scotland previously. And the Italian has no fat. They grow them lean and, and it's just awful. So we that we get ribeyes. Um, I do get diaphragm, which I use for my jerky or skirt steak, hanger steak, and uh, ribs, which I use for my talabars from Italian meat. But um, I add butter. It's okay. I There are people who do react to butter. There are people who are so sensitive to foods that the tiny amount of milk protein in the butter might cause them to have a runny nose or some other inflammatory response. So then I recommend making talabars like I do out of, you know, I cook a bunch of 
ribs in the crock pot. And then I, I give my daughter the collagen because she thinks she needs it for her hair. And then I, my older daughter, and I just basically melt the fat and fry half of the fat, half of the meat, and I just freeze it and it makes these little tallow bars. Hmm. Yeah. No, I'm, I was asking for myself because I most of my fat, other than what comes in the meat, is butter. And I was wondering, am I having too much butter? Should no, I? No, no, it's just animal it? fat. You, yeah. I mean, there's no too much. Okay. So when you're in ketosis, what are you you're making? Your energy out of ketones, right? Yeah. You're not making it out of protein. You can't make energy out of protein. Your body will not mobilize itself. It will avoid turn eating it will avoid turning um protein into energy what happens when protein turns into energy it turns into glucose because we only have two metabolic pathways ketosis and glycolysis Mm -hmm. so one is protein and glucose and the other is fat so basically you eat fat until you're satiated yeah and that gives you the energy and the ketones you need to live a healthy and active life what's your thoughts on calories in the sense of can you get can you have too many calories? Yeah, I get. I mean, yeah, if you're not burning it, you're gonna have to turn it in. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I when I do protocols, I, I use the person's height. Uh, if somebody's six foot two, I'm gonna give them a heck of a lot more calories than somebody who's five point one. Um, I sort of use sort of a, you know, uh, some people say they're hungry, some people are not. Some people are. I say add more fat. Basically, I'm, I'm trying to heal somebody. Some people come to me very ill. And I, the protocol is healing and not worrying about calories if you're healing because mm. you need a lot of nutritional energy to heal. It has to be anti-inflammatory. Um, people don't eat more naturally. If you're eating, if you are have, um, if you have balanced blood sugar levels, you're not going to eat more than you want, than you need, yeah. than you need, because you won't want more than you need if you have balanced blood sugar levels. So yeah. nobody is going to stuff a stick of butter down their face if they have balanced blood sugar levels, it's just your physiologically, it just doesn't happen that way. Yeah. So you're saying that, um, for example, hot flushes, you say flashes, we say flushes, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, is really an adrenal problem. So, so look at it when you were 12 years old and you had to have a scary test at school, or some boy or whatever your part or some somebody you liked smile at you yeah what, did you turn red and get hot <laughs> yes yes you sweat before a test sweat you know you you break into a sweat because you're having a vasomotor reaction which is a stress response your heart rate goes up blood shoots into your muscles sugar increases because your liver is producing you know, doing gluconeogenesis, that's what a hot, hot flush is. You're having a vasomotor response to a stress, something that's triggered stress. That could happen in the night because you have irregular cortisol levels because you have reactive hypoxemia all the time. I see that. Yeah. Is it just through diet that people can heal their adrenals? Depends. Depends on how messed up they are. Mm. I mean, I'm screwing triathletes off the floor. So if you have, I did a post, not a post, did a video about an ultra marathoner who has diagnosed with borderline depression. Unfortunately, he's gone vegan, which is the worst thing he could possibly do. But he was a mar- ultra marathoner at 17, breaking all kinds of records. 
what did that do to his body? My husband and I are always arguing because he's a big athlete. I'm a big athlete, but he's you know, amazed. He's a cyclist and amazed at what the body can do. And I, you know, these bicycling race, he's these racers are killing themselves in the Tour de France and the Giro d'Italia. And how are they at 50 and 60? They're not good. Professional athletes don't thrive in old age. So if you push, if you abuse your cortisol, any kind of, I used to do Kung Fu. My problem was Kung Fu. I fought, I ran, ran, ran. I did a lot of running and then I did fighting. Kung Fu farms are very, um, uh, it's not cardio, but you have to jump up and down for two minutes and basically you kick and you punch and you, that was all fine, but it was the fighting that got me in trouble. Um, I would come back from fighting my hands shaking like this adrenaline skyrocketing. And eventually I overdid it. You know, it took its toll and I flatlined my cortisol levels Mm. and that required a high-fat carnivore diet, and sometimes it can require other supplementation. Yeah. Okay. When you, you're carnivore, are you completely carnivore? Because there's a whole scale within carnivore. There's a whole scale. Yeah. There's like four oh. kinds of carnivore. There's a, there's ninety. There's hundred percent carnivore. There's ninety-five percent carnivore. There's seventy-five percent carnivore. It depends on what your body can handle. I'm very happy just eating beef. Um, I make beef jerky. I make my little tallow bars. My husband eats chicken and pork. I'm not as satiated when I eat chicken or pork. So mm. it's not because I'm having a reaction. I just, I think it's the iron content. I just don't feel as satisfied. So I will carry my travel all over the world with my bags of beef jerky. Cause I'm not every, all airline food is vegetarian now and sort of I'm hundred, I would say I'm a hundred, hundred percent carnivore. I will, my daughter's older daughter's birthday is coming up. Yeah. I think we're going to have an ice cream cone, but that's not, you know, I don't have a reaction to it. My blood sugar is rock solid. There is a time when somebody's healing that they do need to avoid that kind of stuff yeah. until they're healed. Yeah. And I know that you're not a fan of fasting, but you do talk about fat fasting. Can you tell us? I did once because somebody asked me. <laughs> so, okay. So I, I am not a fan of fasting because it abuses cortisol. Uh, no. <laughs> a person who is horrific stories of people doing 18 day fasts and um, basically people get high, just like the ultra marathoner got high on his adrenaline. A fasting person is getting high on adrenaline because the body's saying, oh my God, they're dying. Let's make them feel really good. So they don't, so they can get out of whatever situation they're in saunas and ice baths are the same thing. So these extreme states, the body does not like extremes, does not like them. A fat fast would be me saying basically, okay, you're not starving yourself. Your cortisol levels won't be skyrocketing while you're fat fasting. I literally wouldn't recommend it for more than a couple of days. And I've never used it as a protocol. I used it once once and just because you know I, I i think that um protein is made i know we need enzymes and they're all made out of protein and thyroid hormones made out of protein and i don't think we can go very long without that kind of stuff yeah but naturally um historically we would have gone without eating every day though wouldn't we 
No, I don't know. I think that hunter-gatherers, uh, when we had to, that's why we can also live on ketones. But most fasting is sort of related to uh, religious abstinence in cultures. So I think that hunter-gatherers sat around with dried meat in their pockets and made beads and ran and hunt and then danced and made love and made beads and ate some dried meat and then ran and hunt. I, I really don't think they didn't eat until, you know, for a week because they didn't have an animal. Mm. Okay. So if somebody wanted to fat fast, how would they go about it? Is it literally just eating fat? Yeah. Sticks to butter, tallow. Um, and there's even a book, an old book on, but it, they, they use coconut. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, I wouldn't use coconut oil because it's, um, from a plant and it can be inflammatory. It's high in histamines. Um, yeah, you just eat. And how long can you go just eating fat? Um, if you want, I mean, let's put it this way. If somebody's having psychotic attack, I would tell them to eat only fat for a few hours because they need so much fat in them to calm down that they would then, the panic attack will pass because they have replenished, they have lowered their blood sugar, they've balanced their blood sugar, shall we say, they've given their brain energy to calm down, and that has put them in a more, in a solid state. Hmm. But I wouldn't do that for more than a day. And how would they go about it? They just basically just eat fat, butter, and tallow. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. The, the focus on weight loss is a problem. Yeah. Okay, so this is the issue. Uh, uh, a body holds on to weight if it's in a stress state because it needs those calories, that energy to run away from danger. So your liver, it doesn't matter if you don't eat, your liver is constantly going to be producing sugar mm. and you will have to hold on to weight in order to, and to until your body believes that it is no longer, you are no longer under duress. So most people who cannot lose weight are incredibly inflamed and their stress response is hypervigilant and they're not able to get out of the vicious circle of uh, their body holding on to the weight because it thinks it's under stress. Yeah, interesting. Because I've, you know, over over the last six years since I've been low-carb keto, I I have reduced four stones. That's about 56 pounds. But I've got, to, I'm quite short. So I'm only five foot three. Um, but I still weigh 179. It fluctuates 179 pounds. That's still too much for my height, I feel. Mm -hmm. And I can feel it around my midriff. But I've been here for the last two to three years and nothing moves. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. What what would you suggest for somebody who's had an initial weight loss and then plateaued for a long time? Do adrenal, do a salivary cortisol test and get your thyroid checked, which they won't do there. I had to pay for my daughter's extra thyroid testing while she was pregnant mm. because they wouldn't do it. So and she went hypo during her pregnancy because she had had a car accident. When she was younger. So which is quite frightening because my grandson could have been autistic. Yeah. And I, I've heard you talk about iodine. Iodine is what the thyroid needs to make hormones. So adolescents need 40% more iodine 
and 40% more thyroid hormone during adolescence. And pregnant women need 40% more iodine and 40% more thyroid during pregnancy. Very few people are getting it because you're all drinking tea. Mm. Yeah, she says. And phase and phthalates and fluoride here and there and xenoestrogens everywhere and the creams and and uh, terrible uh, pollution for our endocrine system to work properly. These things were not around. Back in the 1800s, the only people who were hypothyroid were in Switzerland or Liguria or Sardinia where there were mountains and there wasn't enough iodine pretty much unless mm. they were under a lot of stress. There's actually in the 1700s, I can't remember his name, but a woman went hypothyroid after an accident. So it was a stress response. You can become hypothyroid due to your stress will cause a person trauma and stress will cause hypothyroidism because the sympathetic nervous system will eventually have impact upon thyroid function. There was something in the 80s called psychothyroidology, but they never went very far because they want, don't want to fix hypothyroidism. No. Yeah. Anything that doesn't sell drugs, they don't want to fix. Correct. So do you think we should all be supplementing with iodine? Every single person on earth, because there's nowhere we can get away from those forever chemicals. Yeah. So uh, they were going to forbid them in Europe. Then they backtracked. Um, they're everywhere. They're in the Maldives. There's plastic phthalates. Where, where is there not plastic washing up on the beaches? The, the problem is that uh, a cow eating grass or mostly grass, right? Grain finished is absolutely fine, is cleaner than a fish because the waters are so full of mercury. And so, so you can't get it from kelp. You can't get it from algae because algae and kelp are pure iodine, but also arsenic and mercury and all the crap that comes from yeah. the oceans. Yeah. So if you're supplementing with iodine, how much, how much, and for how long? So what I was thinking, so Lynn, in Lynn Farrow's book, she says 50 grams. Um, and I was yeah. thinking for, for a period of time, I probably need some more because I've been so long without it. Um, so I'm just thinking about everyone that's listening to this. How do we know how much? And does it hurt to go over for a period of time? And if so, how long would you suggest before you then bring it back down to 50 grams? 50 grams was really a 50 milligrams was really a way to get a iodine deficient person saturated. And that is also tied to the Yoderol tablets. Okay. I recommend Lugol's iodine. So mm. her book is very much with the Hakala lab. That's the only place you can actually test iodine is iodine urinary, you know, urinary, up, urinary uptake test where you, ingest 50 milligrams of iodine they collect urine for 24 hours and you see how much comes out if a lot comes out that means you're sufficient but they also test for bromide and fluoride toxicity and chloride toxicity to see what halides could possibly be preventing you from absorbing iodine mm. nobody else is testing that any other iodine test you do is testing you for radioactive iodine so Used to be that if you were sufficient, two drops of 5%, which in the UK is still in some places, a natural dispensary, for instance, still has the 15%. The Americans 
because iodine was demonized, turned the 15% into 5% because it's actually 15% because it's potassium iodide and organic elemental iodide crystals, iodine crystals, which Jean Lugot rendered soluble with the potassium iodide. So you couldn't, you'd have to be eating these little crystals, which would be very hard to ingest, very hard to, for your intestines to take up. So the Lugol solution is still the perfect solution. So in the UK, it used to be 15%. The Americans turned to 5%. It's very confusing. So two drops of that was what I would usually say after people had been rendered sufficient, which is a whole other longer discussion, which I won't go into now, to top them up. However, I personally take six drops a day because of all the crap that's out there. Yeah. And when I travel... I take 10 drops because I'm under, there is stress. And when you have stress, you need more. If so, um, I don't think the two drops with all the crap in our environment, toxic chemicals is going to be, because iodine is an antiviral. It's a heavy metal chelator. It's an antibacterial and it removes toxins. So it's not just for the thyroid, it's for the breast tissue. It's for the uterine tissues for ovarian tissue. It's for prostate tissue in men. It's for all mucus bearing tissue. So vaginal tissue, saliva, nasal, all of those tissues need iodine. The thing about iodine is that I wouldn't be drinking a liter of it, but excess iodine comes out in your urine. Okay. And then you can, if you wanted to test for it, you could. Yeah. I'm very aware, Elizabeth, of your time and that you've got to go shortly um so thank mm-hmm. you for spending some time with us um before well, we, we go 15 minutes well i've got a few things that i um i want to finish on time for you i've got a few okay. things i want to do which is how people can contact you what's your mm-hmm. three top tips and is there anything else that you wanted to talk about today that that i haven't asked you or you wanted to mention Oh, um, women need to eat meat. Women need to eat fat. So uh, I live in Italy, southern Italy. It's an uh, agricultural country. Um, you guys had Robin Hood who, you know, enabled the poor people to have meat because he stole from the sheriff, right, as far as I know the story. So um, Italian southern Italy has the highest rate of juvenile diabetes. Um because they're eating pasta, we don't have the obesity that they have in the U.S. because we didn't add the seed oils. Well, I mean, I've only been here since, since 2004, but I've seen people's bodies change since 2004 dramatically because of the addition of high fructose corn syrup, which wasn't here. Americans started all that. So yeah. the obesity you have in America is increase is getting to Europe. It's not as bad as it is in America, but it is definitely getting there. So that is because of the sugar that people eat and the processed foods people eat and the seed oils people eat. How you get away from all that, you eat meat. Women eat more fat than men do. Children, the brain functions better on a high fat carnivore diet. I'm currently writing a book about uh, adolescents because I'm just freaked out that they're putting nine-year-olds on birth control pills because they're getting their period at nine. So all of this is agriculture, which carbohydrates increase estrogen levels 
So, and cortisol levels. So that's why that's happening. That's why you have precocious menstruation. Um, my top tips are eat a lot of fat, animal fat, and mostly carnivore. Um, I'm not saying everybody has to do it that way, but if you're ill, you should definitely do an elimination diet to see if there's a food that is causing inflammation. And you can find me on my website, elizabright.com. Excellent. And I'm going to recommend that everybody gets, I should, I think that every single woman should read your book. Thank you. Because I think we need to know how the abuse has gone on and how menopause has been medicalized and, um, and it's all based on what men came up with because what they thought was right at the time, which isn't necessarily true. No. I think I think every woman should read this book, but I think every man should read it as well. Yes, a lot of men say that. A lot of men tell me that, that yeah. every man should read it too, because absolutely. And even though it's called um, Good Fat is Good for Women, Menopause, you could almost take the menopause out i know and i wish i had but <laughs> but that's why i'm writing the book for the younger women i i the the book for the younger women became this huge research project because i wanted to address how adolescents are perceived uh, adolescent women are perceived i'm going to do this more quickly because it's so many young women are going vegan we know that more women than male are we are vegan and they're on so many more uh, double uh, women are prescribed twice the amount of antidepressants and antipsychotics than men that has to stop. And they're, it's all starting in their teen years. So depression is high, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why I'm trying to get this out as quickly as possible. It's just all those damn references that have to be checked. And <laughs> yeah. So um, how can people, I'm, I'm guessing they can just go to your website if they want a consult with you. What type yes. of people do you can, you know, who would you be good for if somebody's thinking I need some help? Well, I consider myself the old kind of doctor who looks at your tongue and looks at your skin. And I mean, anybody really. But do you do, do you work via Zoom or just locally? Yes. Yes. Only I had to close my studio during COVID because we had lockdown for two years here. So. Yeah. yeah, and I just sort of moved everything online, and and it's a sad because it's hard to find people to treat patients all over the world. And I'm if they do have a spinal issue, I want to fix that too. But I have to sort of hunt down osteopaths for them where they are. But but if you can reduce inflammation and address the endocrine system, which is why I got into this in the first place, I was a frustrated osteopath because women of a certain age kept coming back. I would fix them. And they kept coming back. And so I studied endocrinology because I wanted to know why that was happening. Mm. And fat is the answer. It is. Fat it is. is it's the best source of energy. I'm just concerned that I eat too much fat. But, um, yeah. Well, maybe you have to figure out why if, if why you're not satiated. If you're not able to meta process the food metabolically, then there may be a reason for that. Addiction of any kind is a inability to make energy in a healthy way. Mm. I'm not saying you're addicted, but I'm saying alcoholism, substance abuse, triathlons. I, I consider ultra, I consider endurance athletes addicted to adrenaline. 
So they, why are they addicted to adrenaline? Self-harm, self-harm, women, girls cutting themselves is, produces a cortisol higher, it raises their cortisol. So does mm-hmm. not eating, so does anorexia. So again, we're coming back down to hormones every single time. And yeah. fat will give them the energy that they need. I've sort of decided that um, maybe I just need to be high fat for a while and mm-hmm. just see. Um, so one of the things that I've been doing recently in the last couple of weeks is having a butter drink before bed. So oh, yeah. Sometimes I include a, um, a, a raw egg. And sometimes it's just butter and hot water. Mm-hmm. And I, it doesn't always work because my sleep has been terrible since my early 20s. Mm. But it feels like it's getting a bit better. Sometimes I can go three or four hours without waking up. Whereas mm-hmm. before I used to be an hour and a half and wake up mm-hmm. every hour and a half. Um, so sometimes it's a bit better. So I, I think maybe... You know, and then, and again, not losing the weight is maybe I just need to be high fat for a while and yeah. worry about the weight, and then see if I heal. And right, I definitely recommend bed uh, bedtime snacks because during the night, we're, our our body's working so hard, uh, flushing everything out and detoxing, and there's a lot of work going on when you're sleeping. So if a person has any kind of metabolic or endocrine issue, or cortisol or blood sugar issue the nighttime, they're going to wake up several times a night. So mm. that fat lowers it, lowers the cortisol if it's high or replenishes it if it's low. Yeah. I've talked about me for a lot today, but uh, it just it just seemed to fit in with what sure. you've been talking about. We hear a lot about estrogen dominance. What what is it? I, is it I a problem? Yes, it's no, it's not a problem. It's not the problem is not your ovaries. The problem is not the fact that you're making too much estrogen. The problem is that you're eating a carbohydrates, which cause, I mean, the little boys on the, the boys, the teenage boys on the beach in Italy who have breasts, right? Yeah. It's because of a high carbohydrate diet. So they are estrogen dominant because, I mean, I wouldn't even, maybe I have to, you know, what if the what if it has absolutely nothing to do with estrogen? What if it's just high cortisol levels causing you know irregular hormone levels? It's not necessarily high estrogen. It's just the sex steroids are completely out of whack because of the carbohydrates which raise cortisol levels. Mm. We know that HRT raises cortisol levels, so that's why HRT is a problem because it causes cortisol imbalance irregularity. Um, Thyroid hormone regulates how the steroid cascade cascades. So uh, every hormone turning into another hormone next to it is called aromatization, which is done by an enzyme called aromatase, which is regulated by thyroid hormone levels. So if you're always in the stress zone, making cortisol because you're eating a lot of carbohydrates, that's going to raise cortisol levels or eventually you'll run out of cortisol. But it won't be able to, if you look at the cascade, the two left columns are stress and immune system and the two right columns are starting with DHEA are the sex steroids. Yeah. Um, It all comes down to how balanced your endocrine system is. One doesn't need to take pregnenolone. One doesn't need to take testosterone for fatigue or lack of libido. Who says that making, you know, a man has more to has more libido because he has different testosterone levels it's just 
back to the male gaze, you know, if a yeah. woman has no libido, they give her testosterone because men have more libido than women generally. No. Yeah. It's just dumbed down, isn't it? Um, and then for women who have already had ovaries removed, um, wombs removed, maybe they're still early, whatever age, because I had mine removed at 18, so at whatever age, can they still heal themselves? Yes, but if you had a hysterectomy at 18, there was something, what, because of fibroids? I had um, one and a half ovaries removed. Okay, because of fibroids? Um, I had some sort of some cyst, possibly. Okay, that's iodine deficiency. Stop drinking the tea. Thyroid. That's why women have fibroids. So the, the, the thyroid needs six milligrams a day. The breast tissue needs five milligrams a day. The ovaries and the uterus need, I don't know how many grams right now, a day, and nobody's getting it. So no teenager's getting it. They need, remember, they need 40% more iodine and 40% more thyroid during adolescence. So you're, you're, they remove your organs. Their organs were not the problem. The, any kind of hyperplastic growth is due to a de- nutritional deficiency. Hmm. So is there anything women should be doing? No, they need to be taking care of their adrenals. Just look after themselves. They can't have babies, but they have to take care of their adrenals. Yeah. Because 85 was most of the sex steroids, all the receptors that they, the scientists said, they found bones. They Now they're saying Alzheimer's. All of it comes from adrenal function. Mm-hmm. None of it is coming from the ovaries. Yeah. Okay. Elizabeth, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been fascinating and such a pleasure. And like I said, everyone should read your book. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. That was great to be here. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle fabulouslyketo1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice 
should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.